Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolution.org Hardcore Podcast. Coming your way. Episode 175, Regan Grimes, Steve Schmee here. And I'm joined by my guy from over across the pond, the mobster. What's up, buddy? How you doing? It's all good. This is a fella, I think, in a year or two, we could see doing very, very special things and uh, we're going to get into why you switch classes. Is being big something he was comfortable with? We're going to. It's going to be an interesting podcast, I think. Yes, it is. So let's get into this, guys. We're going to talk about a steroid cycle as well. It's going to be a fun podcast. He's a Canadian bodybuilder. Regan Grimes is his name. He's up and coming, as Mobster mentioned. He had a recent first place showing at the 2021 Egypt Pro and top. 15 at Mr. Olympia Open the past two years. 28 years old only right now. So he's got years yeah. Yeah. ahead of him. If he could stay healthy and stay improving. Listed stats, five foot 11, 260 pounds at his peak. So early life, let's talk about how he started out. We like to talk about this. This can affect the rest of your life. He got involved in weight training in his late teens. And then once he got involved with weight training, he did it not because he wanted to be, you know, some professional bodybuilder one day on stage at Mr. Olympia. He wanted it to do it because he wanted to get better at motocross. And motocross is really interesting. It's, it's basically off-road motorcycle race, very dangerous. They do these jumps that are very, very risky. Um, I, and, I kind of I thought I read something about motocross that is actually based in your side of the pond, mobster, and then it spread mm-hmm. to the United States. I didn't know that. I never thought I, I can't imagine British people doing motocross. It seems like something Americans would do, but I guess you guys are into it over there. Here in the uh, valleys of Wales, there's a lot of guys who've got what you might call an American trail bikes, uh, which is much the same thing. And there's there's probably very little difference between a motocross, probably more specific to the sport and a trail bike, which pretty much lets you go up and down the mountains. And there's an awful lot of guys here, whether they should go where they're going on their bikes, will take their bike out in the back of a van and drive up one of the hills here, 1,900 feet above sea level with their buddies, get incredibly muddy and dirty. And yeah, it, it's it, some of the guys have accidents. We've had to have the helicopter rescue guys come out and take them down the mountain and whatever, including a buddy of mine back in the days that had some pretty serious injuries. Um, it is tough. The, the, the wiry guys are the best. You don't want to be a big, muscular guy. You really don't. Forearm strength, funny enough, because it's one of those things that I guys were asking for advice on back in the day from myself and other uh, grip gurus uh, in terms of just holding on to the handlebars and being able to control the bike while it's trying to throw you off like a bucking bronco and you're trying to take it up, you know, a one in four incline when you're covered in mud and it's raining and there's you're, you're going over tree roots and everything else. It's surprisingly, it's a real good workout. Uh, but yeah, you, these guys typically have two bikes, one for the roads, a van or a car, whatever else, and then the trail bike and, and go out with their buddies early on a Sunday morning, sometimes to sweat the beer out from the Saturday night and whatever else. Yeah, quite popular here. I wouldn't say so much in England, but so any other places that we've got here, like the Highlands of Scotland, the valleys and the mountains of Wales, etc., those kind of places that have it, and maybe even the wilds of West Yorkshire, those places, the guys would go out and, and they're all over the place, sometimes to the point of uh, tearing up turf and disrupting things a little bit and they get told yeah. off by the police and whatever else. a lot of um i it, it says here it started in 1909 did you know that 1909 yeah. in scotland i think probably did you know when the first had crazy motorbikes? people probably as soon as a motorbike was invented people do stupid shit <laughs> in the united states i've seen um i've seen uh, i saw a murder uh, mystery about a guy you know these kids they were doing motocross and some guys land and he just got tired of it, and he went out there and just shot all four of them and, and threw their bodies on the side mean, of the road. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what happens here, too. So, 
Yeah, we have I'm that problem. <laughs> we have that problem too with people doing motocross. But man, it it seems uh seems like a, a, a pretty fun thing to do. But gosh, it's dangerous, you know, when you do those it's, jumps and you fall. Fall off a cliff, man. Yeah. If you if you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere, your buddies have got no way of putting you on the back of the bike and get you back down to uh, safety in a hospital or wherever else. So you know you have to get the park rangers and all that kind of stuff come out and helicopter ambulances, all this kind of thing. And uh, get you off the mountain. And I, as I said, one of my close buddies is, is, is we've trained with uh, both on the mountain and off the mountain. There's had a couple of pretty serious injuries, both of which could have uh, killed him. Certainly the first one. Um, and it's not unusual: broken legs, smashed elbows, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I'd imagine, as you say, uh, Regan getting into this as a young man, I can see the excitement and the danger being attractive, but also. As you say, just literally staying on the bike requires grip strength. And it's like a bucking bronco. So your legs, you get a level workout. The seat is tiny. You're barely, a proper proper bike, you're, you're barely sitting on it. In fact, if you see this done as an organized competition, they'll have some people going up a really steep incline with tree roots and potholes and stuff like this. And they they kind of just sit on the motor. They kind of just sit on the petrol tank. I think if there's, there's it's like... The size of maybe a table tennis bat as a, as a seat, and your, your ass is barely on it. Uh, and so you're doing an awful lot of leg work. You're trying to pull the bike around. It's trying to throw you off. So it's a hell of a workout. Uh, there's, there's, I think mean, you've got hill climbs of cars, very, very similar, where they're, they're literally holding onto the side of the car. You're hanging out at the side of the car just to balance it to get up these stupid inclines. Same process with, with this kind of thing. So not for me at 300 plus pounds, and certainly not for me at 57 years of age. But I can see the attraction for a young athlete like Regan getting into this and then thinking, right, I need to toughen up. I need to get more leg power. I need to be able to hold on to this thing. I need to be able to jerk the bike around. Sometimes they're almost kind of pulling the bike over and getting it over obstacles. So, you know, they're not heavy bikes, but nevertheless, when you're tired and you're off up the mountain, you're going to feel heavy. So, yeah, get in the gym, get conditioned. I can see what Regan was doing it for. Well, while he was doing, you know, weight training in the gym, I can also imagine this going on where he was just some newbie. He, did, he admits he didn't know what he was doing. He just would look up different muscle groups and see what exercises work with which ones on, on his phone. And that's the way he first started to train. Look, we all started new. I think I'm sure if I went back and I watched myself train for the first time, I'd probably laugh at myself as well. So yeah. he was in that situation. You know, so a year into his weight training, he started building an impressive physique for an 18 year old. It was obvious he had very good bodybuilder genetics. So he decided to switch and go from motocross to bodybuilding and enter his first show. After he finished his own show, he, you know, kept switching between different divisions. Monster and I talked about it on the pre-show. He wanted yes. to find out which he was a better fit with. Obviously the open competition, highest level, that's like, heavyweight boxing everyone wants to watch the heavyweight boxing match like nobody cares about the you know the lightweight division and but some guys if you really are into boxing you'll like that because it's a lot of technique it's a lot more action going on but if you're into if you're just a weekend boxing watcher you want to see the big guys it's the same thing in bodybuilding and i think that's why he kept switching back and forth but yeah mobster go ahead yep yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, rather than read out the great long list, Guy has referred to the article because he's done a lot of competitions and a lot of different divisions. There's two things which occur to me. One, which I'll get onto in a second, which we talked with Steve in the pre-show. And the other one is, I think I forget, even from my own perspective, he's a young guy. And you and I know this, Steve, just from our own perspective as when we were younger. You want to do different things. And any guy that's coming into training now and especially in the first, last five to 10 years, well, as Steve said, whether it's looking at your phone, using your, a laptop or a pad, whatever else, there's so many different things out there. And if you're Regan's age, which I don't always remember, you there would be a lot of things to catch your eye and catch your attention with your muscle, young muscular physique. And you go, oh, should I do this? Oh, should I do that? So there's that. The second part, which Steve and I referred to in the pre-show, and I said, it was interesting for me that when he got good, he ended up doing a couple of classes, kind of a back and forth between the open and another class. And, and I, I said to Steve, what stuck in my mind, and I think this is Regan's kind of hinted at this in his own responses from that time and more laterally, and that was 
he had to get big. I, I think right now, Steve, you said 260 at the beginning. That's probably his stage condition. I'm talking about a video that I watched this morning. He was 280 in the off-season and is relatively lean at 280. And I think what happened a few years ago, regardless of trying out your different classes as a younger man, as he's matured physically, he's seen that he can do really well in the sport. But he chose the Open and then kind of got real uncomfortable being that big and that muscular and then dropped down a class. And what I said to Steve was, and this doesn't apply to Regan specifically, although I suspect it might, but more to uh, uh, younger guys that we see come on the forum, and we see this all the time, Steve and I, and, and all the other mods. I want to gain 20 pounds. I want to gain 30 pounds. I want to be 3% body fat. And first off, you say, what's your stats, how big you are, et cetera, et cetera. Secondly, and this is what Steve and I were talking about, seriously, guys, if I could wave a magic wand and instantly put 30 pounds of muscle on you, it would take you weeks, if not months, to get comfortable with being that much bigger, that much heavier. You, your, your shirts wouldn't fit right. Your arm would be in a different position on the side of your chest, bouncing off your much thicker lats. Your legs would be rubbing together. And that might be the kind of dream for you, but it still takes getting used to. And I think what happened with Regan is that in order for him to be big in the open class and be freaky in the open class, he had to get to a certain size. And that was something that he'd never ex experienced before. And sometimes it's a gradual process, which is perfect. A few pounds at a time, which is what Steve and I, Dylan, et cetera, on the forums talk about. We say five pounds, 10 pounds at the most. But adding 20 pounds, adding 30 pounds is a head fuck. And it takes getting used to your heart and lungs don't like it. The food you've got to eat is hard on your digestion. Adding five pounds is comfortable. And I think this is what happened with Regan. Being freak size in the open class, as a young bloke, because he was a couple of years ago, and he's only like in his early 20s now, was a head, well, I say mid-20s, was a head fuck. It's, it's, it's just not something you can get used to straight away, unless you were big to begin with and you get bigger. This is not what we're not talking about. We're talking about a young man that's grown from motocross into bodybuilder, different classes, different divisions, and then got into the freak territory. And it, I think it was just something he couldn't get his head around, physically, uh, mentally, all the things that were required, the PEDs that required and everything. And I think he had to go away and do the other things, see where he was with that, see where he was in terms of growing into those classes, whether he was going to do really well, and then decide, you know what, I think I feel more comfortable now being more bigger, more muscular, having to do what I need to do. Coming back, I mean, we're talking about 28 years of age, so he would have been 26 years, a couple of years ago. Coming back, 28 He's at that time. Don't forget, guys, we're on the forums. We talk about 25, 26 as being the right kind of age to, for using uh, performance-enhancing drugs and knowing what you need to do in order to grow into that size. So this is what's happened in my mind. Now he's 280 in the off-season. Now he's doing those things that need to be done, which we'll get into when it comes to nutrition, training, being coached, and so on and so forth. Now he kind of feels okay being a freak being that size, walking around like that. But I said, like I said, guys, it's, it's, it, sometimes, and I've been there, I'm sure Steve has back in the day, you don't do training, not want to be big and strong. You're not doing the stuff that we've done in the past and, and to get as big as strong or whatever as we are now. But it should be a gradual process because it becomes something you can get used to. And the idea is sometimes doesn't match the reality. And I think that's what's happened with Regan. The reality was he felt uncomfortable. He felt too big. Maybe didn't like how people were looking at him. Maybe just couldn't get his head around what he would need to do when it comes to performance and arts and drugs. And it took him those two years to get his head around it, to become comfortable, and suddenly decide, right, I'm going to go full bore. I'm going to give it everything I've got. And I'm now mentally and physically ready. Back to you, Steve. Just do a flashback a little bit and how he started out, Mobster. So. Yeah. As a teenager, 2012, Ultimate Fitness UFE Bodybuilding Contest, middleweight, first place. 2014, first place, gosh, uh, a Deluchka O'Brien Classic Juniors Bodybuilding Heavyweight. That was in Ontario. <laughs> Second place, two divisions at the 2014 Ontario Provincials. So he was tearing it up as a teenager in his native. Yeah. You know, uh, 
yeah, locally. in Ontario, locally. So he wasn't going up against the big mammoth guys across the border yet. 2017 as a pro, competed in three competitions, fifth place at the 2017 Tampa Pro and Wings of Strength, strength as Chicago Pro. He also got second place at the Vancouver Pro. The next year in 2018, he got first place at the New York Pro Men's Classic Physique, eighth place at the Olympia Classic Physique. He got third place at both the 2019 Japan Pro Men's Bodybuilding and 2019 Romania Muscle Fest. The next year in 2020, first Mr. Olympia appearance in the open competition, he got 15th place. The next year, he also got 15th place. So let's see how he does next year at the Mr. Olympia. I think he's going to do a lot better, Steve. Yep. A lot better. The person I, I think, yeah. I mean, he should he should get top 10, no doubt, if not higher. Yeah, so. yeah. The person he's being coached with right now, which we'll get to in a minute, is, is probably one of the best in the industry to get him there. And he's doing everything right now. I think that's going to have him, as you say, top 10 for sure. Egypt Pro, he won first place. He fared much better there. Going up against some of the best bodybuilders. Yes in that part of the world. So he's does very, he seems to be do well in Ontario does very well across, you know, around the world, Yeah, but he did do well in the New York pro men's classic physique and class in the physique. But once he got into open, wasn't so easy in the United States. So let's see how he does against the big dogs and the, in the United States. Something, yep. Something very quickly, Steve, it might actually be him being a little tiny bit crafty because we do talk about getting qualified for the Olympia, right? Is it easier to qualify in India, China, Japan, or wherever else, get your qualification, then come back to the US and do the big competition, rather than stay in the US and go up against a much, much bigger genetic pool of very, very good bodybuilders? The other countries have got great bodybuilders. Let's not say that they haven't, but there's probably an awful lot more people training and competing and a much higher standard overall and you're more likely to come up against some of the other top 10, top 15 pros in the US. So go, say, to Japan or, or Romania, wherever else, get your first place, qualify for the Miss Olympia, come back to the US, and then do the big competition. So there might be a little tiny bit of a strange craft there, guys. So there's a hint for you. Sometimes going somewhere else other than locally to get your qualification and coming back and kicking that fella's ass that you want to, to, to beat in competition. And that may be what Regan's doing here. And that actually ties in with something else that I mentioned in the pre-show, which is, and, and I've just said just now as well, is he's doing all the right things to get his qualification. He's doing all the right things to take that step forward. And as Steve and I have both said, these things, the way that he's being, and we'll touch on social media in a, in a little while as well, everything he's doing makes us think top 10. And that includes going all the way to Romania to get a qualification, to Prague to get a qualification, and so on and so forth, Steve. Yeah, and I just want to add as well, uh, we'll know pretty soon oh, yeah. how he's doing because the Arnold Classic is in March of 2022. He's going to be going up, up against Cedric McMillan, William Bonat, Brandon Curry. He's going to be going against guys. Uh, and Brandon Curry is is a Mr. Olympia winner, and he's got his fair share of top three, top five finishes at Mr. Olympia. So we'll know pretty quick if he can hang with, with these guys. And, and we'll see how he does. Can he beat any of these guys? If he can, then you, we can expect him top five at Mr. Olympia coming Ooh, Definitely, yeah. Social media. Now, he's not a household name yet, but he's going to start gaining popularity. He's already popular in his native Ontario, native Canada. So Canadians go crazy over this guy. So he's got close to 2 million followers on Instagram. He's also picked up several repping jobs. This allows him to bodybuild full-time. Yeah. Uh, GAT supplements, Iron Bull Strength, which is training equipment. The Beard Struggle, which sells grooming products for the beard. So he's got everything covered in terms of repping. So that helps him pay the bills as he's um, trying to um, work his way up in the bodybuilding world. So he also has a YouTube channel. He posts a lot of training, diet, posing, and advice. If you read the article, you can see the link to that, or you can just Google for him. <clears throat> so, Mobster, um, you know, follow up on that and then talk about his training a little bit. And I'll get into his nutrition. He has an advantage, I believe, because he's a good-looking fella. 
that, that that it's got the they've got the young man's hair thing going on with the with the kind of sort of borderline queer slash hairstyle. It always looks a bit raggedy when he's training, but trust me, when he's not training, he's getting the spray out, he's putting the he's putting the products in there, and he's he's getting that looks a certain way, and and he knows that. And again, that ties in what I said about being professional and doing all the right things. So, for example, once something I said with Steve as well, which applies, and we've addressed this in previous podcasts when we talk about being a bad boy or a good fella or whatever on social media. He's vegan's really got his social media damn pat. I mean, Steve says close to two million. If he's not there, he'll be there or thereabouts very, very soon on Instagram. He's got something like uh, two, well over a quarter of a million subs on YouTube. His band of our stuff on Facebook, which I haven't checked out yet, but I'll include that in, in the show notes. And when you, the, for example, the person he's being coached with, which again I'll address in a second, he puts up videos of the two of them training together so obviously you can see how he coaches Regan and then Regan puts up videos on his own channel which have probably almost certainly got more followers via Instagram and so on and Regan's version of the same thing which is essentially just a workout is on another level and it's on another level compared to most other athletes including top 10 top 5 other top 10 top 10 15 guys that are in the Olympia so for example uh He's got music on there. When, whether he's paying a license or whether he's using uh, license-free music, copyright-free music, but it's there's background music going on. It's carefully plugged. He's not pushing products too hard, but it's there, and you can see what's going on. You can see from the two videos, one person's holding a phone, someone else is holding a camera, and then I think the fella that does the videography for Regan has got the full rig, the full balance set up, Steve. So he's put the money there. He's got this people doing the right thing. He's doing the same stuff that I've mentioned in previous shows when I said the trick is sometimes to let the videographer earn the money from YouTube, from, from the views and from the ads that are linked to YouTube. And then you make the money from repping. You make the money from the products that are being pushed. And you make the money that way. So that way you're encouraging the videographer to do a fantastic job, to make you look as good as possible, because the better you look, the more money the videographer gets via the adverts that are placed on YouTube. So that's me. I, I think that's what's going on. And to compare the two, literally, for example, whether it's a shoulder session, which I've watched, or a leg session, you can watch both videos, you'll see different angles, but the level of professionalism in the video and how the social media is being used is on an, it's a level above on Regan's side of the table. It just is. And it's dead easy as a way of seeing, right, the information that these coaches putting out is spot on. There's no, no mucking around there. But if you want a professional looking, slick, dynamic, marketable product, that's what Regan's putting out. And that he's acting like someone has already won the mystery, Steve, when it comes to social media. Hell, you can watch Ronnie Coleman's stuff, and Ronnie's got people that do that sort of thing for him. And it's to level down because, you know, you've got Ronnie, Ronnie sitting in a chair reminiscing. You've got, uh, you know, stuff that's been cut from videos that he did 20 years ago, which is fun because they're amazing at the time. But it's a level down because Regan's got that. It's like he's got a team. Steve and I talked about, I think, the one show, the one that we recorded prior to this one, where we said on Instagram, sometimes you can see the marketing team. I don't know if Regan's got a marketing team, but it feels like that's how this is being approached, properly, professionally, like a business. And I suspect, Steve, he's probably getting more money per view, per show, per video, whatever, than most other pros for the, the amount of work put in. So... If, if there's someone who's comparable that's coming 14, 15, 16, whatever in a Mr. Olympia, and he's got a YouTube channel, a Regan's got a channel, I reckon for every buck that the other fella's making, Regan's making three bucks. And that's how it's approached. That's how it comes across. So that's, guys, if you're going to do it, Regan's a good example of doing it properly. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, man, for sure. So then you get into his nutrition a little bit, and I'll let you uh, hit his <clears throat> his uh, training. And... um you know, Regan values nutrition. He believes changing up his diet based on his goals, obviously, due to him changing his weight class, he's learned to adjust and use that diet to his advantage. He likes salmon, bison, rice, potatoes, apples, chicken, uh, berries, eggs, beef, cream of rice. He also likes Ezekiel bread. He tries to buy organic as much as possible. 
and he likes to make sure he's refueling his body with only the best. There's actually pictures, uh, there's actually videos of him grocery shopping. Um, and um, there's one he did where he went to a place called Fortun Fortino's, which is a supermarket in Ontario. I've never heard of the place, but it's yeah. apparently they've got a bunch of them in, up there in Ontario. And there's also diet, uh, there's also videos on his YouTube channel where he talks about no carb dieting to get shredded and depleted. So there is plenty of information on, um, on his different dieting strategies based on what he likes to do. So obviously he follows a no carb diet when he wants to shred down and wants to deplete himself. That's, that's not any type of rocket science. I mean, that's definitely how it works. I mean, but you have to really be strict when you do that. I mean, sugars, you have to avoid sugars and everything. You want to keep your insulin levels down when you're doing that. So yeah, he, he does a lot of these, he got popular in Canada among, you know, the younger guys, you know, the early 20 crowd, late, late teen crowd posting these YouTube videos and, and guys really like that. They like to see what people eat. That's really something that we don't talk about much. So it's really cool that he, he put up a video like that to kind of show a lot of these young guys, the proper way you're supposed to be eating because you know, we're not taught that. We're not taught that growing up. Um, usually our parents have very bad eating habits and that's just society as a whole because we're, you know, we don't want to go food shopping and we don't want to cook our own food. We want to go to a restaurant. So the pandemic hopefully changed the way people treat this where they stop going to restaurants and they start cooking from home. Because I personally, I haven't been to a restaurant since the pandemic started. So it's been at least two years since I've personally been to a restaurant. I cook my own food. I want to know who's touching my food and all this stuff. So guys, if you're the type of person who's going to restaurants and stuff, you will not reach your bodybuilding goal. So check out his videos and, and learn to cook at, look at home. So mobster, follow up on that and then get into his training. I think the food thing, and Steve and I have talked about this before, it can be it can be quite boring. And, I mean, a good example, and I was discussing this in the gym yesterday, was the whole if it fits your macros, which seems to have died a horrible death, thank God, because guys were essentially using that as an excuse. Exactly what Steve was just saying, to eat crap. You know, you know if, if it's got carbs and I need carbs, then I have carbs. Well, a donut's got carbs, but then so is a banana. Guess which is better for you? So that's the thing. And so what people were doing, and of course, it doesn't help that with the videos that were being crazy videos with people sitting down and having 10,000 calories and stuff like that. Me and you did that with a uh, Carly Muscle video where we said, you know, he was getting as many views for him going to fast food restaurants and having everything on the menu as he was for him training and, you know, giving it the I'm an ex-con kind of bollocks that he was, which was his stick as well. So what's good about this what you just said, Steve, is that you've got a young man who's training and he says, I've gone to the supermarket and I'm buying healthy food. Look, there are berries, there is fruit, there is fresh, there's, you know, meat here. And this is what I'm eating. And it's a great example, but it's kind of boring, like I said, because you've got to eat the good shit. You can't eat the crap. It's as simple as that, guys. And if you think you're going to get a big muscular size of a house eating bullshit, <laughs> dream on. If you think you on the other hand, that like Regan, you can go to the supermarket and buy bison and rice and potatoes, and that's how you're going to get big. You're spot on. So it's not exciting, and that's maybe the thing. So maybe stuff like, look, here's me going to the supermarket and buying this is the best thing because it's showing you, by example, in buying healthy food, in cooking healthy food, in eating healthy food, and being the size of a house, and being muscular, and being ripped, and looking amazing and starting a place in the big competition. Here's what I'm eating. Here's what's happened. Here's how I am. Great. So that's amazing, Steve. On the training, and we talk about this in the article, there are specifics you can get into whatever else. What I like right now, which is what I touched upon earlier, plus in the pre-show, is that he's working with probably one of the best coaches in the business, Milos Sarsif, a former IFBB pro, placing high uh, uh, many, many times, and probably one of the most frequent competing bodybuilders in terms of the sheer number. I think there's only, uh, I think Ronnie Coleman had the most show wins. I believe Dexter Jackson was one of the ones that Milos kind of competed with in terms of the sheer numbers. And I think it was something like somewhere between 40 and 70 pro shows 
that both those athletes did, Steve. So an absolutely huge number. He also ended up being a great guru, specifically in the insulin HDH stuff in terms of that side of things, the performance enhancing drugs, but also in uh, glycogen slash carb manipulation for getting into shape. He had a very aesthetic physique of his own back in the day and so on. So in terms of Regan choosing to train, whether it was someone like Chris Aceto or, or, or anybody else or Milos, Milos, it would be one of those top four, top five people to go and train with. Now, Milos is big on um, giant sets, specifically for carb depletion. And again, that's with the insulin and growth hormone manipulation. But also, as per the videos that he's doing with, and I said you can see both Milos's version and Regan's version, he's really, really good at basically smashing the granny out of Regan. I mean, Regan at one point, his, his tongue's hanging out like a dog that's thirsty on one of these videos. I watched the shoulder video this morning. I watched the leg video this morning, you know, warming up for this podcast. And it's like Regan, <laughs> I won't say he's on the verge of tears, but it looks like that kind of painful. It looks like he's being put through the, the mill. He's being ground down and... Milos is not giving him any mercy. He's like, I'm trying to get the best out of you. And I think there's even a line in one of the videos this morning where uh, probably the leg video, because that's the one that really takes it out of you, where he says, you need to do this if you want to win. And Regan's gasping away on the video. He's going, I know, I know. And then he kind of gets his second wind and keeps on doing it. And it's things like, he's, Steve, he's doing stuff like uh, hack squats, but he's slowing the rep down and he'll do two slow reps, and then the next two reps are faster, and then it's slow again, and it's foot placement, and it's only like three plates on each side, on, on I think it's one of the power squat machines, one of the machines I want to buy, but he's doing a hack squat, with it, so you're facing out of the machine, and it just looks like the worst thing ever, not because of the form, but because it's just so damn painful, and you can see that the, his legs are just starting to shake, he's just getting them on, and that's kind of like, right, We've got his head around the fact that he's now a big motherfucker. We've got his head around the fact that he needs to be a freak in the open class. We've got his head around the fact that he's traveling halfway across the world to qualify. Let's show him that next level of training that's going to take him all the way, potentially, to an Arnold first place, all the way, potentially, to winning the Olympia, because this is the next level stuff that you're going to do while I'm coaching you while you're doing this stuff and there's no let up i mean the videos all the videos Doug's like, whose video you're watching is edited so there might be a bit where he staggers off to the toilet there might be a bit where he says no 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 and goes across the gym you don't see that so it looks like it's non-stop the way it looks it appears to be is literally that there's no gap you're, the shoulder video steve is, is you are pressing and then you're doing a lateral raise and then you do a cable and then he's got this thing with a barbell in front of him and he's raising it all the way up so, you know, it's right above his head. It's the world's highest front lateral raise with a barbell. And he's just working the tie-ins, that little tiny detail where the delt is attaching to the bone. And he's bringing that out. And it's just, I mean, it's like, it looks like a 10-pound bar, Steve. But he's hanging out of his ass. He's just grinding, grinding, grinding. And Milos is there. And it means like, I think I said the same thing about Dennis James working with Big Ramy. I'm your buddy. But when it comes to the gym, we're not friends. And... I don't care if they're in pain. I don't care if you're uncomfortable. I don't care if you're tired. And Milos is like that. He's, smart. He's like a smiling assassin, Steve. Oh, you do really well. Do some more. You're in pain? Okay, keep going. It's that kind of thing, Steve. This, and there's no mucking around. And it's a great way of showing, and that goes back to what I said about the size and the nutrition and the PEDs and everything else. And we, even this shopping video that we were talking about with the healthy foods. The young guys need to know that you can't drug your way to winning the Mr. Olympia, that you can't eat crap your way to win Mr. Olympia. You have to work hard, eat clean, and use PEDs properly. And Milos is there lashing away with the whip and making this world-class bodybuilder work fucking hard. And when he doesn't want to, when he's tired, when he's hungry, when he's depleted, especially when it comes to competition time, as it will be very, very soon, when he starts to deplete and diet down, Steve, and still be there lashing away, still making you the best. It's one of those things you're probably going to hate him while you're training, but you're going to love him 
when they hand you the first place trophy. Back to you. So let's let's follow up on that with his PED talk. So, mm. you know, he took some heat. He had a rapid transformation from 17 to 22. <clears throat> and, you know, I have a sneaky suspicion mobster that doing the motocross got him some connections. And yes. some of his peers, even I'd say most of his peers doing motocross, they also mess around with anabolic steroids. So he got involved with them at a young age. And I think using them and lifting combined with his genetics, it yes. was kind of the magic potion. And he realized, whoa, I'm not like my motocross buddies here. They, they're using anabolic steroids and they're doing some weight training here and there and then going on their bikes, yeah. but they're not growing the way I am. So I'll there's something here. That. Big responder, hyper responder. Yep. So his transformation from being a skinny 17-year-old to 22 and looking like a beast. Yeah. And now, the way he looks now. Always oh, on another level. Yep. He's 15th Mr. Olympia. So I could make the argument he's the 15th biggest bodybuilder in the world. Yeah. You're 15th right Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Yep. And going to be top 10, going to be top five. So we'll see this year uh, in 2022. So a lot of people gave him some heat. A lot of people said, you know, they made some comments on social media. They're like, oh, you know, he upped his carbs here or there. He, <laughs> that Nutri-Grain bar after curling got him those arms. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no one, no one buys that he just magically transformed just by, you know, having this great diet and busting his ass in the gym. Obviously, it was steroids. Not, he has got great genetics, and that will include, Absolutely. as we talked about before, Steve, which we will specify. But we said this before, guys. You have to have great genetics for your response and how you handle performance-enhancing drugs. So but he, 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 he was athletic as a motocross uh, biker, a rider, and he had a good physique then. And then he got a great physique. So that comes from genetics, obviously. You can, like I said just now, the training, he's being killed in the gym by Milos. And again, that's not you, you don't just take a drug and instantly you become capable. That's bullshit. But as you said, I mean, here's the truth. And this is what I think we should say when we're talking about performance science and drugs here, Steve. The step up from the class he was doing before and motocross back in the day to what he does now to become top 15 in the Mr. Olympia. That's the difference. He would, if there'd be a bunch of guys doing some sort of drug, GW, for example, Psalms would be great for motocross, uh, but you don't have the kind of muscle that Regan has, with, even with the genetics, even with the grind, even with Milos pushing you in the gym and not be doing a level up from what he was doing before. And there's where we are. So what we're going to talk about here, guys, is the level up that he's done to place where he is or where we think he's going to place, which we think is top 10, possibly even top five, in the next year, year and a half. So it's that level up again. But you do have to be able to respond well. I could not do this cycle. I would hate it. I would be sweating, I would struggle with the side effects and so on and so forth. Arguably, I do very well on small amounts. I suspect, Steve, this is on a level again above anything that you've ever done, but we don't have Regan's genetics. So it's that thing. And of course, there's even a better argument, Steve, that in order for you to be the Mr. Olympia, an Arnold Classic winner, there or thereabouts, the first, the second or the third place, you almost have to have an expectation that you need to be doing this kind of stuff. The reality of that, of course, guys, if you're listening, you don't. Unless you've got Regan's genetics, unless you want to win the Arnold, unless you have a fucking good chance of winning the Arnold, you don't need to do this. But Regan arguably does. Let's get into the specifics, Steve, what he does, what we think he needs to do. But now, as you say, around the time of his Egypt Pro win and between there, and the next competition from here to the Arnold. What do you think? So we can kind of speculate what did his cycle look like ahead of the Egypt Pro when he won first place. So right off the bat, you know, I, HGH and insulin, those are the two things 
these guys are using. Look, you can't have this huge monster physique being an open competition just by using steroids. It takes a lot more. And HGH insulin is a big part of it. They run a ton of HGH. HGH splits and grows cells in your body. So you're able to get those monster physiques with the HGH. When guys weren't using HGH, before HGH came along, they didn't have these monster physiques the way they do today. So HGH is a big part of it. It's definitely mandatory to use a ton of HGH. When you use a ton of HGH, though, your blood sugar spikes. So you got to take insulin to get that blood sugar back down. You're becoming insulin resistant when you're running all this HGH. So no, it's not, it's not good for you, but you are able to, to get that insulin into your body and get your blood sugar back down. And then whenever you eat something, you, your muscles turn into sponges and they soak up all this food that you're eating. Like when he goes grocery shopping in that video, you guys go on his YouTube channel, watch his videos, grocery shopping, all that food he's eating. If you ate that same food without his genetics and without him using all this HGH and insulin and all these steroids he uses, you would just get obese if you followed his diet. So yeah. don't just go blindly follow him, yeah. a pro bodybuilder diet because you're just going to get obese. I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. So he needs these different things in his body to help him grow big size. Mom, so what are your thoughts? Yeah. Very quickly, Stephen, as I said, he's probably with the number one person in terms of information for the manipulation of growth hormone and insulin in terms of Milos. So whether he was taking Milos's advice before, around the time of the Egyptian Pro, if he wasn't, he certainly is now. So Milos is probably the best person, maybe uh, Dave Palumbo, arguably the two of them, and they've done podcasts together, so you can watch them talk about the insulin and growth hormone on these videos that they've done. Those two guys, number one and number two, in terms of how to manipulate and get the best out of those two drugs. So if he was doing some kind of protocol before, Steve, without Milos, then he's definitely doing a protocol now with Milos. And that's just for those two particular drugs. And something else that occurred to me as you were talking, Steve, is these things would have helped him stay in condition, <clears throat> shape, form, et cetera because you've had to travel halfway across the world. Egypt is not a five-minute flight. It's, it's probably the best part of half a day from America to get to Egypt, probably more than one flight, in order to compete. And being able to turn up and still look amazing, still being in great condition, in order to place in another country, I don't think, uh, I think, if I remember rightly, he, was, he wasn't there for a week or two weeks beforehand, like we talked about before, settling in and getting your food and all that kind of stuff sorted. I think it was literally, he arrived a couple of days before, competed, did his stuff and came back, Steve. So again, growth hormone, insulin, manipulation of carbs and everything else, holding that muscle, holding that condition, being able to do that stuff. And that's another indication of genetics, again, keeping that condition and then, of course, placing him first. So yeah, those, those things there. If he wasn't doing it before, he's doing it now and he's probably with one of the best people to manipulate that stuff. And something I touched on in the training thing, what I said about that again, was that Milos is very, very good, specifically with the giant sets, because I've seen this back in the day, where he will deplete his athletes right down and then fill them full of carbs. And that's when, as you say, Steve, the insulin's going in. So he, he has that on point. You don't hear of anybody having any problems. I think possibly himself when he was experimenting. I don't think anybody else had any problems, uh, to the best of my recollection with the manipulation. So once Milos learned what works on himself, he applies that to his athletes and he's probably one of the best there because for the most part, when we hear about other athletes doing this, especially those normal Joes who don't have these kind of genetics, it's rare for them to get the best out of those two drugs, which is why we're not big on the forums that recommended people using insulin, for example, and, and trying to manipulate that stuff. Unless you really know what you're doing, follow the protocol properly. And as I said, when it comes to protocols, Milos would probably one of, if not the people that invented that protocol. Back to you for the next drug study. All right, so I, I had mentioned, you know, um, things that are mandatory in today's yeah. pro bodybuilding at the higher level. Here's one that's mandatory, and that's yes. Trembolone. If Trembolone was around in the 60s and 70s, oh. 
you would have seen guys like Arnold get laughed off stage, all right, who weren't using it. These guys, you know, Frank Zane would have got laughed off stage for not using it. So Tremblone changed bodybuilding. 80s and 90s, when guys started using trend with HGH, that's when bodybuilding became, you know, a, a bodybuilder show for monsters. And you can argue whether you like it or not. I'm not here to argue whether, whether you like this type of bodybuilding or not. Because, I mean, I personally much prefer the 70s look. You know, I, I would, you know, in terms of health-wise. But that's how it is. So he's got to use Tremblone. If he wants to get top 10 at Mr. Olympia, you've got to use a lot of Tremblone. So 1,200 milligrams a week of Tremblone. And then Decaduro Bolin. He's a big guy. Going from being an ectomorph to a big guy, you've got the flexibility to use something like DECA. Now, here's the advantage of DECA, of throwing it in there, 1,000 milligrams a week, appetite. DECA Durobolin is like testosterone, is testosterone, but it's got an atom change. And the atom change prevents it from aromatizing at a high rate, the way testosterone does. And it also reduces the androgenic side effects of high doses of testosterone would. So throwing in DECA in there would have been a good idea for him to get his appetite up. Because remember, he's got room. He's got room to grow. He was oh, yeah. in his low two, he was in the low 200s with weight. And as Mobster alluded to, he was getting the 260, 270, 280 in the off season. So DECA is an important one to boost your appetite. And it's a very mild and safe steroid to use, even though people don't think that it, that's the case because they don't run it correctly, but it, it really is. Go ahead. Good. So we, we've addressed this two things here, guys. One is I've talked about online on the, on the forums, Deca is one of my favorite drugs that with sus and Deca cycle is one of my best ever in terms of feeling, etc. So, and something me and you talked about in the last show that we recorded prior to this one, Steve was the appetite thing that you just mentioned. And I said, in that show and i'll repeat it here guys my appetite was so good on deca that i would be eating a meal that was filling me up and i would be thinking about the next meal like i'm already hungry for the next meal and I, i'm not so i don't struggle to eat i really don't i don't get the size i am and the weight that i am and the belly that i've got along with the power and the muscle etc that i have and struggle with appetite but trust me on deca you're eating a meal and you're thinking, hmm, what am I going to be having later on? And, and in a, not in a, oh my God, I've got more food to eat. Now, now this is a, I'm looking forward to it already. While well, you're having a perfectly nice, perfectly filling, perfectly nutritious meal right now. So that's what Decker did to my appetite. And, and of course, the obvious other thing when it comes to Decker is when you're doing the kind of training that Regan is, especially right now, never mind whatever he was doing before, I'm talking about the recent videos with Milos in there, cracking the whip and getting the best out of you. It's going to make your joints feel comfortable. And trust me, you don't train the way that he trains and do the things that he's doing and any other professional bodybuilder without some small degree of discomfort. If you're very, very lucky, you haven't got any injuries. And to the best of my knowledge, Regan hasn't had anything that we can think of in terms of injuries with the elbow, shoulder, wherever else. But equally, DECA is one of those drugs that's going to make you feel kind of comfortable. Now, I'm not keen on guys with pre-existing injuries, let's say, for example, issues with their elbow, using DECA to mask that. But if you haven't got that and you're doing the grind and you're in the gym getting pushed by someone like Milos, it's going to make you feel a little bit more comfortable because that's what it does. There's a small degree of uptake in collagen synthesis, but it doesn't fix stuff that's broken. It will not replace worn out heads of joints, shoulder joints. It won't replace a knackered hanging on by a thread tendon. It will increase some synthesis of the material that builds that stuff up. But trust me, if, you go, if you're using DECA, and you feel good, you're more likely to push yourself harder, which kind of brings you back to scale square back to the first place that you started from. So, guys, don't think that it fixes injuries, it doesn't. It can make training with an injury easier to do, and it will certainly make him more comfortable if he hasn't got an injury during training. So, there's a plus as well. But appetite, oh, another levesty for sure. Back to you. 
Yeah, and then we do one more, and then I'll let you finish out his, you know, speculative cycle here. Masteron, very, very important to run. Very, very good hardener, 1,200 milligrams a week. Uh, Masteron, if you are just a normal gym rat, Masteron does nothing for you except harden, harden up your muscle. Really, it, it's, it's pointless. But if you're yeah. – you need to look good in front of people or look good in front of the camera, or you're just an egomaniac. You want to look good in front of the mirror at the gym when you lift weights, then that's where <laughs> master run uh, plays an effect. So the vascularity, the hardness and all that stuff, very, very important for a professional bodybuilder to have. Obviously you can't go on stage looking. You, be lean. you have to be lean. Yep. So what else we got, Mobster? What are your what are your uh, what what else we got? Well, the ne the next one down here is, and I've just mentioned it as one of my favorites with Decker, and that was that was all that was in that particular cycle of mine, was Sustanon 250. So 500 milligrams. I, I, again, those two drugs for me was a combination. I think I think this is the the first time I ever got to 300 pounds back in the day was a Sustan Decker cycle, and. My, my off-season, walking around all day long body weight. Don't forget, guys, I'm 6'3". I'm not a professional bodybuilder. Far more of a strength athlete. Was 280 pounds. Uh, and Sustan Decker got me to 300 pounds. I think I was something stupid like three, 300 and something grand pounds and half a pound or something stupid like that. Literally a fraction over. And it was for one day. Did the competition, came off the cycle did the PCT and, and dropped back down to 280. I deliberately got that size that way, but I didn't want to at that time to walk around 300 pounds all the time. It's much easier for me. I do that on the off season now, but then we're talking about 10, 15 years ago. So it's different. But those two drugs for me were the ones that got me there. And again, that's with me, with my genetics, not with Regan's genetics and whatever else. And again, we're talking about, for example, here, holding on to muscle. So if the first drug, the last drug that Steve just mentioned, Masteron is a hardener, providing you're lean, then Sustanon's keeping that muscle on you when you're traveling, like I said, when you're going to Egypt to compete, when you're depleted. So that's another reason why it's in there. And again, obviously, it's one of those things that's going to enhance muscle size, et cetera, anyway. And it's not actually the, the kind of numbers here, 500 milligrams, of it, it's not actually that excessive, Steve, not really. It's a little bit more than I was doing. I think the two things that I did together amounted to 765 milligrams, whereas here, or for a professional bodybuilder, the two of them together amount to 1,500. So double what I was doing, but then I would expect it to be. Again, this is the level that he needs to be at in order for him to win those kind of competitions and hopefully place in the Arnold and place better in the Olympia competition. The last two drugs, Steve, are pretty much specifically Winstrol, and not even that, it's, it's high for a daily dose. It'd be more likely a weekly dose for me a daily dose of 200 milligrams. And again, we're talking about a fellow that's in condition with his genetics traveling across the world in order to win play, place first in the open, in the pro class. Uh, so he needs to be doing these kind of things to keep that show polish. And for me, again, especially at 200 milligrams a day, Steve, you're talking about a professional bodybuilder needing to look a certain particular way. Guys, Winstrol has its place in many performance enhancing drug cycle for a lot of our forum members and their listeners but not 200 milligrams a day 200 milligrams a day is pro level because of you're doing this and all the other drugs and again it's about holding that condition holding that muscle dieting down being depleted probably using diuretics doing the growth doing the insulin etc 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 and then doing this halfway across the world in order to win the competition so you have to have it that sense of perspective. 200 milligrams a day would probably be enough of a cycle on its own. And even then, I'd probably suggest it's a little bit excessive. And that's for most of those people listening to this and, and on the forums. And then finally, again, as that sort of level, but a very popular drug, 150 milligrams a day proviron. And this for me, Steve, is one of those drugs that works better when it's part of another, a, a bigger cycle like it is here. On its own, it would do something for most of you guys. Not, again, I prefer you not to be using 150 milligrams a day, guys. But it's one of those drugs that works well in conjunction with the others. Uh, and so the overall effect with all these drugs combined for a professional bodybuilder, and I must emphasize that, 
don't think that you guys can do this cycle or even a lower dose version and have the same result that Regan would have got from this if he used this cycle. You won't. You'll have your result and your version. So, for example, Bravarin might be a great drug for many of you guys. And I know for a fact it is just from reading the post when it comes up on the forum. But for us here, it's a suggestion of what needs to be done by a top level professional bodybuilder aspires to raise himself up another few notches again, place better, and is doing so, as we suggest here, halfway across the world in order to come back to the US, come back to Canada, of course, where he lives, but come back to the US specifically to compete at the highest level. So for example, Steve, I can see that a couple of these things might be changed and you might not need, for example, to do some of the doses here, maybe even a little tiny bit less here and there, perhaps with more of the emphasis on growth form and, and insulin manipulation, if his next big competition, as we've already suggested, is in the US, specifically the Arnold Classic in Ohio, because he hasn't had to travel halfway across the world. He hasn't had to sit on a plane for 10, 11 or 12 hours and try not to lose condition and try not to be depleted and try not to make up for that in a day when he arrives because he can just go across the Canadian border, go to Columbus, spend an hour on a plane, land a few days ahead of time. It's a lot easier for him to travel, even with the COVID restrictions and do the things that need to be done with regards to carbon uh, manipulation, getting the last bit of water out much, much, much easier coming over from Canada, or is he pretty much training in the US anyway right now? One of the videos this morning was in Vegas at Flex Lewis's gym, Dragon's Den. So I suspect he's spending most of his time in the US. So it's a lot easier to travel from Vegas to Columbus, a lot easier to travel from Canada to Columbus and do the right things that need to be done in order to bring that condition. What will be interesting, Steve, and I won't finish off just yet because I know you've got something to add, is I want to see what he looks like ripped on US soil. I have seen a couple of his overseas photographs and he didn't quite bring that condition when he came back to the US. So he qualified by looking damn good overseas. In fact, something else that come across was that there were photographs and videos of him in his room and doing whatever needed to be done. And I was thinking he doesn't look ready and then tanned up with a little bit of glaze on and then put up against the others underneath the stage lights, it was on another level again. So he surprised me and, and it was just a, a great example of what putting tan on and getting stage ready. And the last 24 hours, as an example, again, made a difference to him and against the, the other athletes that he was competing against. He won't have to do half those things in terms of traveling and all the stuff that I've mentioned already because he's already in the US and it's gonna be, a, you know, it'll probably arrive ahead of time for Columbus. And, Something else, even with the COVID restrictions, getting his head on and doing everything else spot on as he is, is going to be one of those things where I suspect if he needs to, he'll make sure he's there ahead of time so that there isn't any holdups, there isn't any issues with flights and restrictions and whatever else. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, keep an eye on him. It's going to be exciting to see the last few guys we've been doing. These are up-and-coming guys that are, are going up the ring. So we'll see if they can take the next step. There's always the factors and everyone's got to deal with the, the COVID thing. So I hate that. I hate that excuse. I see people always bitching about COVID this, COVID that. We're all going through the same thing, okay? So, yeah. So, you know, stop bitching about it. That's how it goes. I'm sorry it's an inconvenience. You know, these bodybuilders, you know, listen, at the end of the day, they have every advantage at their disposal. They have... They could do this for a living full time. So really, there's no excuse for them. They Some can get just a home gym. Left, they, 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 can, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. They just left it too late to travel. And then they cried about how they couldn't do this, that, and the other. And the yeah. other guy. Procrastination is not an excuse. People no. who procrastinate in life, they never get to where they want to go. So if you can't even get you your shit right. You knew the competition right, was going to take place for months. Tough shit. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you don't tell me that you can't travel when you knew for months that there might be restrictions. Go to a place two weeks ahead of time. If you can afford it, book a room, go on Airbnb, get your shit sorted. It's not like these places that have these competitions aren't nice fucking places to oh, just man. hang out for a week or two. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And enjoy 
enjoy the city. I mean, Orlando, Las Vegas, New York. I mean, wow. I mean, oh my God, I don't want to stay. Make some money there as well. You know, professional bodybuilder, go do some seminars and do some posing exhibitions, make some bucks, go do videos for your, the companies that you're repping for in those countries. Show, show the Egyptians the product line that you're working with, whatever else. Go to, do some expo work while you're over there. And, and, and if nothing goes, like, so the guys that were going to Kuwait for three months, no excuse. You've got the guys that were saying, oh, listen, I couldn't get a flight and it's a 16-hour flight to Australia. Well, I'm sorry, you had weeks for that competition. <clears throat> the only issue is when the competition dates have been changed. And like you just said, Steve, everybody's had to deal with that. So at no one arguably had an advantage there. You all have to deal with the same shit. And yet some guys are able to organize the shit and some guys were not. Now, something you say in the article, which touches up what we're talking about here right now, as you say, he has a very good head on his shoulders. I suspect, and I'm just basing this on what we've, we've done as the pre-show research for Regan, is he has his shit down pat. He's organized. That's why he's able to travel to those countries, compete and win and come back. He's working with probably one of the best coaches in the industry. He's shown you on that video that we talked about. He's eating properly. He's got his head round, as I say earlier on in the podcast, got his head round being a big motherfucker. He's doing everything right. The only thing, I mean, I talked about this before, Steve, just for you and I, when we competed in our own chosen sports, the only reason someone beat us is because they were better than us. If we do everything right, if our food is right, our rest is right, our training is right, if our head is in the right place when we're in the gym and we're smashing it, we're destroying, we're breaking muscle down, we're fueling back up with food, we're rebuilding muscle with food, we're getting our nutrition in, and someone else beats us, it's because they were better. So right now, Regan is doing all the things from every aspect. He's sponsored, he's traveling, he's qualifying, he's being coached by one of the best in the business, he's eating properly. If he's doing half what we suggest in his performance arts and drug cycle, that's the reason why he will place better. And with that head on his shoulders as a professional, and what I mean by professional, as I don't just mean someone with a fucking pro card, because trust me, guys, there are a thousand athletes out there with pro cards. Most of them you've never heard of. Regan is making a name for himself because he's got his shit down pat again on videos, because his social media is up there because he knows how to rep. And I don't just mean, Steve, we see this, we see it on the forums. I've repped. And it's a different thing from being given a free fucking T-shirt and a, and, a, and a shaker and being asked people to use your code versus working the industry, working like a professional is supposed to work. And what I mean by that is qualified nice slick videos with a great videographer working behind you marketing team if you get to that level people that are looking you know working with a tanning company working with a, a, a massager a physiotherapist all these kind of things doing the stuff every single day for example again ronnie common and jay cutler two three times a week getting deep tissue massage when they were at their absolute best as mr olympias that stuff is uncomfortable it's time consuming. You're a professional athlete with a lot of calls on your time. And yet three times a week outside of the gym, outside of your training, outside of those six, seven meals a day, you're getting deep tissue massage and you're breaking down. That stuff is uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. It's expensive and it's time consuming. And yet they were able to do it. They were able to find that time. They had a good support team, but it's still time consuming. Just being driven there while you're trying to do other kind of work, all these kind of things. And Regan, just for our research for this show, he seems to have every single aspect right now, Steve, covered. Nutritionally, performance-enhancing drug, working with one of the best coaches, working with a, the expert, probably the expert for growth hormone insulin, and winning those competitions overseas, and then coming back, training in some of the best gyms in the world, doing every single thing. That's the element of professionalism that I'm referring to. If he gets beaten, it's because the other athlete was a bigger, better athlete, a, a greater genetic freak. So if, for example, he comes up against Brandon Curry and Brandon wins and Regan is a second or a third, it's because you're coming up against a Mr. Olympia, that level again, another 5% better genetics. 
there's nothing more you can do than what you have done because he's already doing every single thing, in my opinion, that needs to be done in order to get the best out of himself. Now, if he can just keep going, keep letting Milos push him in the gym, keep pushing in the nutrition and doing everything else as well as he seems to be doing right now, there's no reason for him not to place better. One of the things I think, Steve, that possibly will help him a little bit again is he does have that kind of round, aesthetic look, probably because he was a lighter athlete to begin with, that a little bit with the curve into the smaller joints than, say, for example, a Nick Walker. Uh, and and pos- potentially adjust, and it's a silly little thing, and it shouldn't matter, but it kind of does, is probably because he's a slightly better-looking athlete. And if that just for commercial purposes and from a judging perspective gets you a point then I'll take it if that means I've got to comb my hair and grew my beard and I win because the person next to me didn't do those things then I'll take it and that's stagecraft again so we'll see but I think all things considered you and I talked about when we say someone to watch Regan is there I think he's going to be one of those guys if he just gets now a little bit one percent two percent better there's no reason for him not to be top 10. There's no reason potentially for him to be top five. Uh, and again, Nick Walker's a great example of someone who's been doing everything right for years. Regan's doing everything right right now. So if he can do that for another year or two, boom, we could be seeing someone. Can you imagine a Canadian Mr. Olympia, for example, Steve? Oof. <laughs> we can... Few of the, a few of the fellas on the forum would go crazy. They'll, they'll win a Mr. Olympia before they win a, a, a Stanley Cup. <laughs> that's the ironic thing because no Canadian teams won a Stanley Cup and uh, I don't know how long like since the early 90s I think the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> so they'll win a Mr. Olympia beforehand but yeah they'll we'll go crazy close the borders yeah. <laughs> close All the right. borders <laughs> you won't be we'll, have to, we'll have to None keep an eye on Regan for sure yeah we'll have to keep an eye on him let's see if he if he can do it so take us into the disclaimer buddy as always Please note, we're not doctors and opinions on this podcast are ours and ours alone. It's our view and based on the experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational and entertainment only and the freedom of speech of the